if I can be the one to speak up and speak out and, you know, instill some confidence and spread some love and positivity um, on the other end of that and use it to turn around and use it as a positive, uh, then that's where I, my mindset was with it. You're listening to The Quick Cast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into The Quick Cast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway, and I'm joined today by Minnesota Vikings running back Alexander Madison. Alex, good morning, and welcome into The Quick Cast. Good morning. Appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. So the first question, and I know it's the one that everybody wants to know, your next home game is against the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think Taylor Swift is going to be there? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Um, I, I Maybe. I think so. Um, I just saw like the recent circulation of her being at the game, and and all that and uh, I don't know if there's a romance going on over there or if it's just friends but I uh, definitely think that she might be a Chiefs fan if anything so we might have her back I think she was just here for a tour she might be back in town so when you're down on the field do you ever notice who's in the crowd or if there's celebrities you know you get to see them when you're on TV but do you ever pick up on that when you're down on the field um Sometimes, sometimes you might get a quick little glance of like, wait, is that T-Pain in the stand? And uh, the other game, I think it was the opening game, Tampa Bay down in like the Delta Sky Club behind us was, uh, I think her name is Michelle from the Bachelorette, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I, she, I, she's been at a few games, but I, we were just on the bench and was able to look over her shoulder and was like, oh, wait, look, that's her. And so the cameras came down and I was like, yeah, that was her. So, yeah, sometimes you get to see some of the celebrities, but uh, really you don't see them often until, like, the, the, the camera catches them or you see some post-game stuff. So you're a couple of games into the season now, and how are you feeling? Is it about this time of year where you start to feel those bumps and bruises after a long training camps and a couple of games, or when does that uh, really start to pick up during the season? Yeah, definitely. Um, you start to put some games together. You start to uh, roll. I mean, we, we had a, a quick turnaround off of week one. So uh, just then was, you know, quickly two games on your belt in 10 days. You start to feel the, the hitting. And then uh, coming off of last week, definitely one of those games. You know, we've been in close games every week now. So uh, there's a lot of effort put into that. So, yeah, you start to feel those bumps and bruises and you got to do a lot of recovery. So when you see like a Thursday night game on your schedule when it comes out, do you already gear up like, ooh, that's going to be a rough week? Yeah, definitely. You know, when you, when you have a short week, you have to just, everything has to turn around a lot quicker. So now that you're in your, your fifth year in the league, what do you know about taking care of your body and kind of the in-between game stuff that maybe you didn't know when you were 20? Um, I've been able to pick up and add a lot to um my routine, just little things as far as, you know, stretching goes, as far as uh, implementing. Uh, I do acupuncture twice a week. I do Pilates, um, hitting the steam room at least three times a week. Uh, I, I've invested in some some home stuff, some red light therapy, hyperbaric chamber, uh, infrared sauna. So a lot of different things that I, I now have, a lot of different tools I now have to continue to uh, up my game and recovery. How does that change once the weather gets a little bit colder and you get a few of those outdoor games? That's when it, you definitely feel a lot more. So I, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I think this year we play in some of those colder places earlier, um, which is good for us because, you know, we have the indoor here. So if, we, if those away teams can come here while it's cold, we're fine. But uh, definitely uh, don't look forward to playing in the cold sometimes. Because you're a California guy. You're from yeah. Southern California, uh, San Bernardino. Uh, when did you get into playing football, and who were those kind of teams and players that you idolized, rooted for when you were a kid? 
Yeah, so I started playing when I was six years old. Um, was in love with the game. I wanted to play when I was five, but I wasn't old enough to. So I would, I'd watch my older brother play, and um, it, you know, lit a fire in me. And so when I was able to play at six, I, I got going and fell in love with the game and never looked back. And uh, there were some um, inspirational players that I, I watched growing up. Um, Troy Polamalu's my favorite player growing up. Uh, reason why I wanted to be in the NFL was because of him. And watching some of the backs like Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch, and Adrian Peterson. Um, were really big motivation in my career. And so you get drafted to the Vikings and Adrian Peterson, one of your idols there. You think, okay, these are some pretty big shoes that I'm going to have to step into someday? Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where it's like it came full circle where, you know, watching him and everything that he's done and being able to come here and uh, be a part of this great organization and then uh, being able to meet him, play against him uh, was something that was just, you know, beyond what I could ever imagine would be beyond what I could ever, um, you know, see happening in my life. So um, it's just a, a real blessing to be in this position now. So you start up growing up in Southern California, you end up in college in Idaho. You're at Boise State. Obviously, it's a it's a well-known football school. But what was your recruiting process like? How did you end up uh, choosing the Broncos? It was a um, it was a pretty interesting recruiting process. My first offer came from Washington. Um, and Coach Peterson had just left Boise State and went to Washington. So uh, that kind of kicked it all off. And then once that happened, you know, the, the Pac-12 and the Mountain West offers started rolling in and uh, really just boiled down to what was the best fit for me. You know, I was, um, you know, very, very strict on having a, a great education. Um, that was kind of where my first instinct was, you know, where can I get a great education? Where can I be uh, the least distracted? Where can I have the best opportunity to grow as a man, uh, both on and off the field. And Boise State, they just, you know, everything about them, you know, the blue collar mentality, the culture there is contagious. And just being able to spend some time with them prior to committing, I was able to see, you know, it was a place for me. And, um, you know, I didn't know too much about how cold it got there, <laughs> uh, but I just knew it was some blue turf and a great place to be. So, um, you know, I made the decision to go to Boise State. So that was my next question. The blue turf, you see it on TV. Is it as weird to play on as it looks like it is on TV? No, not at all, actually. It's actually fun. Okay. I mean, um, you forget that regular grass is green. It's, it's You go to an away stadium and you're like, oh, this is nice. And, you just, you know, it's just one of those things you, your eyes get used to. Um, it's a fun environment, uh, extremely electric place to play. So you having some success in college. At what point did you start to think that the NFL was a real possibility for you? Um... I would say towards the end of my junior year mm -hmm. when my coach called me in and talked to me about the insurance policy <laughs> and um, agents and situations like that. And I kind of, you know, snapped out of it. You know, I was just living in the moment, living in it. You know, we're on a roll as a team on a championship run stretch. Um, and then when, when he pulled me into his office and talked to me about some of those things and if I had thought about it, uh, I really hadn't. So then it kind of shook things up for me. And I was like, oh, wow, like I forgot, you know, to, to to take the next step and think. But, you know, just being in a moment, having fun, playing with your teammates um, is really, you know, it takes away all the pressure of everything else. And so that's when I kind of really uh, got that first inclination that, you know, this is real. This is a moment where I have to make a decision where I'm going to whether I'm going to declare whether I'm going to stay because, uh, you know, it's a real possibility. And you had a, a pretty unique end to your college career. You had a couple of 200-yard games. You're really rolling. You get into the bowl game there, and you get about 
what, 10 minutes of play before yeah. it's called, and then all of a sudden your college career is sort of over? What was that kind of feeling like? Like Maybe the rug got pulled out from under you a little bit? Yeah, um, I took it as a, a sign from God that, you know, that was that was enough. Uh, I finally was healthy. I, you know, my time at Boise, I hadn't had a healthy offseason. Um, I was finally healthy coming out of that game. And it was just interesting because I was going to use that game as a, you know, either go or stay type of game. So for it to be cut short like that, it was definitely frustrating and confusing for me because if I would have went for 200, I was out of there. And if I would have, you know, had a, a bad game, I probably would have stayed. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of was able to just find some peace in, in God and, and my family supporting me through making a, a really tough decision at the time and having to make a really quick decision at the time as well. Um, and just understanding, you know, walk away from this amazing career and amazing time I had at Boise healthy and, uh, you know, take a chance and, and go chase a dream. So you go through the whole draft process. Minnesota calls your name in the third round. You're coming here to the Midwest. You move from the West Coast up to Idaho, over to Minnesota. What were your first um, reactions about being able to come to even more cold weather here <laughs> in Minnesota? Yeah, that was uh – so I guess I, I need to start doing my my uh, research on states better because it was another moment where, you know, I got drafted in Minnesota and it's like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, one, one of my family members, I think, was like, oh, man, you better get some warm. And I was like, it gets cold there. And they're like, what do you mean? So then it was one of those moments where it was like, well, I'm going into, you know, Boise kind of prep me. But sure. it's like two times as freezing over here. So. Definitely coming from California, I had to double up my inventory of, of hoodies and, and sweaters and all that. So, you know, all seasons come to an end, whether it's January, February. Are you sticking around Minnesota or are you like, I'm getting to Southern California as fast as I can? Yeah, I usually, I usually get back to Cali as soon as I can. As soon as, uh, you know, the season's over, I, you know, probably within the next 10 days, I'm back in sunny California. And so, you know, sunny, sunny California, famous for the food scene. You know, I've been down that area, San Diego. It feels like you're going to a different roadside taco stand almost every day. How does California cuisine compare to to uh, cheese curds and tater tot hot dish here in the Midwest? <laughs> um, I think they're on two different scales, if, if I had to put it put it nicely. Uh, definitely, I definitely miss California uh, when it comes to that, that category. So Minneapolis, it's, it's a big city, but it's not like a big, big city like New mm -hmm. York, Los Angeles. What is your interactions like with the locals? Do you run into them at Quick Trip, at Target, anywhere you're going? Or, you know, what are some of those interactions like? Yeah, um, the Minnesota nice term is, is a real thing. It's really awesome. It's, um, I mean, everyone's really nice. Everyone's polite. And uh, they show a lot of love. You know, they love the Vikings. And we really appreciate all the love and support. So uh, whenever I run into someone, it's, it's really a, a great experience. You know, it's, it's always a loving conversation and positive conversation. And those are the people that are filling the crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium. Tell me about when that crowd gets electric. You hear that skull chant going. What's it mm -hmm. like at, at a home game in front of those people? Oh, it's one of a kind. Uh, that skull chant, is, is, it's, it gives you chills. And then when that horn goes off, you know, when the, the crowd starts getting loud on a third down, uh, they definitely bring it every time, and they help us. I think, you know, there's some stadiums that, you know, call it the, the 12th man in their stadium. I think that we also have – um, that advantage in our home field as well. So uh, we, we just appreciate how much they come out and show out every single time. And I think we have the most electric um, atmosphere. With that being said, is it true that you're able to 
block out some of that noise when you're actually in the play, you know, on the field of play? Does that some kind of go away and then come back when you cross the end zone? Or what is that like? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's moments when you, like, forget there's a crowd there. Uh-huh. You're in it situationally. Uh, sometimes, you know, before pre- uh, before play, you're kind of making your reads and everything, and you just forget it's there until, you know, a big play happens and you feel you hear that loud roar or you score and you, you kind of get brought back into the atmosphere. But it's pretty crazy just how, like, numb you can feel with the you know sound and vibration it kind of just like surpasses you it's pretty crazy so speaking of numb we we talked about the cold a little bit but i think there was a game at lambo a couple years ago it was like january 1st or 2nd it was it was bitter cold how do you prepare for that both mentally and physically to to be out there uh Really, all you can do is prepare mentally. Uh, I don't know how much. I mean, there, there are things, you know, our, our equipment staff, they do an amazing job of making sure that we have all that we need to um, feel as warm as we can and not feel uh, off our game, You know, not feel like we have too many layers on or anything like that that's restricting us from playing a great game. But uh, one of those games, you just know that you have. You, there's nothing that you can do. You can't run away from it. You can't avoid it. Uh, you just have to go head first into it and, uh, you know, you look to your left and your right, and you know who you're doing it for, and it makes it a lot easier. And so one of the things that I've always wondered about watching football is how guys, like ball carriers, like, no, just happen to know exactly where the first down line is. You know, we get the yellow line on TV. Every play, do you know, like, okay, 37, even if it's in the middle of the field, I know I got I to gotta do everything in my power to get to that line. Like, how do you instinctively know where that line is? Um... It is a little bit of a feel thing, but, yeah, you look over, you have to try and be situationally aware, and, you know, if you're standing on the 20 and you know that the 25 is first down, you kind of peek over, you see it, and file it away. So when you're when the play snaps and you, you get the ball, you kind of can feel if you got five yards or if you, you know, maybe you're at four, maybe you're at three, and so you kind of get that feeling and just, you know, repetition, 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 you start to feel, you know, what four yards feels like, what five yards feels like, what 10 yards feels like. And what is your sort of theory as a ball carrier about stretching the ball out? Obviously, depending if you're going into the end zone, you want to make sure you're holding on to it. Whether we like that rule or not, probably not if you're a Vikings fan this year. (laughs) But, I mean, you want to protect the ball. You want to get that extra yard. How do you kind of battle that mentally between, okay, sometimes going down is the right move as opposed to giving it up? Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you have to understand what the situation is. You have to understand what's left on the clock. You have to understand um, there's a lot that goes into whether that's uh, an appropriate move or not. And there's really only a few times where that's okay. You know, two-point conversion, um, game on the line, last play of the game. Those types of situations, you know, when there's pretty much zero risk and and you doing that that's one of those situations you can go ahead and give it a try but for the most part we like to try and hold on to it and live to see another day just because you know like you said there's the rules that they have there's a lot of different rules that come into play when it comes with the ball being out and so as much as we can try and avoid that that's what we try and do and so i want to talk about home a little bit Uh, i saw on instagram you posted it was just your little girl's first birthday being a dad, having to be away on some road trips and then coming home and getting to be dad, what is that balance like that you're, you're kind of figuring out uh, between the work-life balance there as an NFL player? Um, trying to turn it off, trying to uh, flip the switch, you know. Um, that's one of the things that you have to be able to do in order to separate the work life from the home life and, and um, 
and do the best that you can do in both areas and be as present as you can be. You know, whether I've, I have a, a bad game, whether we lose, whether any situation like that, I can come home, see her face, see her smile and, and immediately be, you know, have joy. And um, I think that's where I, as players, we have to be able to do that. You know, our families, our friends, our, our loved ones, you know, our kids, we have to be able to flip that switch so we can be as present as we can. And uh, we understand that at the end of the day, it's bigger than uh, football. It's bigger than the game. It's a lot of people out there that, that we love and care for that uh, are supporting us. Gives a little perspective to it all, right? Yeah, definitely. And you've kind of ventured into that field with your foundation as well. Uh, I Am Gifted, it's a foundation, it's a clothing brand, and it's a really cool message that's behind it. Uh, can you tell me what about it inspired you to want to create and be involved uh, with such a cause? Yeah, uh, I wanted something to be more than just a brand, more than just uh, some Alexander Madison merchandise or anything like that, but I wanted to start a movement. I wanted to do something that was potentially impactful. Um, so thinking about it um, after my second year, um, going into my second year, we got started with uh, I Am Gifted, and it's to encourage everybody that you're born with a gift and you just have to find it, embrace it, and use it to shed light in the world. And so through that, we love to try and do all that we can to spread love and positivity in the world and um, even just through the subliminal message uh, of reading, I am gifted on a t-shirt or a hat or anything, you told yourself in your own mind that you are gifted. And uh, that's one of the you know, small powers that there is in, in positive self-love and self words of uh, positive affirmation. So you know, our emphasis of, on mental health is big and we do a lot of causes to create dream chasing opportunities for youth and emphasize the importance of mental health and uh, suicide prevention. And that sort of gets into uh, my next point here, you know, Getting into the week two game against the Eagles, it's an entertaining game. It's fun. It's nationally televised. Uh, at the end, it didn't end up going the Vikings' way, but you went on social media after the game and shared some of the nasty things that end up in your DMs following the game. What made you want to take those screenshots and share that all publicly? It was a moment where, you know, uh, you take a step back and, and you think, you know, this is bigger than football. This is uh, a moment where... Uh, it's definitely personal and crossing the line of, of you know, just hu human ethics and morals and values. And, and um, I know that there are so many other players out there that are experiencing that um, or worse, you know, whether it's an NFL, college, whatever level of sports there is, um, this is happening in the world. And I know I'm not the only one. So it wasn't a, a moment of, you know, uh, need for pity or attention or anything like that. But definitely uh, I've found my voice over the past few years dealing with my own mental health journey and all. And uh, just wanted to speak up and be an advocate and be the one that if, you know, no one was going to say anything, uh, I was going to be the one to make this more real than people think it is. Sure. Because there, you know, people think like, oh, yeah, it happens. They probably get messages. They probably like, of course, this is what they do. So what? Shrug it off, shake it off or whatever. But you know, seeing messages where, you know, they are telling you to commit suicide and, and using racial slurs. And there's kids um, out there in this world that are probably dealing with some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so if I can be the one to speak up and speak out and, you know, instill some confidence and spread some love and positivity um, on the other end of that and use it to turn around and use it as a positive, uh, then that's where I, my mindset was with it. So you're still a young guy. You grew up in the 
you know, social media has been a part of your life probably as long as you can remember. With athletes being more than more accessible than ever, in your mind, what does a healthy relationship look like between a professional athlete and you know fans that are on social media too? Uh, there's a there's a balance that you have to find. Um, for me, it's as much as I want to um, engage and show love uh, to those who show love and support to me as well. Uh, there's just that fine line that you have to create between engaging too much and um, just kind of being being from a broad perspective. So I try and do that uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, me and my team, we, we created a, a great opportunity where we can connect with some fans and, and do some things and give back so that we can connect and have those wholehearted moments where we can spread some love and positivity and impact lives. Uh, but with social media, it's one of those things where uh, you step into a certain realm of it, uh, start to, you know, step into different positions of the game. Uh, you have to kind of remove yourself a little bit more and more. Well, it was unfortunate that it all happened, but it was really cool to see that you step up and take the courage to do that. So kudos to you for that. Thank so, you. So uh, I want to wrap up here with a couple of rapid-fire questions. All right. Do you have a pre-game meal that you have to go to every week? Um, somewhat. I'm 80% consistent with okay. having a turkey and spinach omelet oh. pre-game. And then if I don't get that in, then it's usually like eggs and, and a banana. Um, maybe an Uncrustable, uh, but not too much. Keep it light and then, uh, yeah, get rolling. Okay. What about if you want to indulge a little bit post-game, what do you do? Post-game, I love a good, a good soul food grub. Uh, there's a place out here called Mama Sheila's. Amazing. And that's probably one of my go-to uh, soul food places. So, like, post-game, if you pop in there, you might see me in there. <laughs> uh, another dish that Minnesota's famous for, have you ever had a Juicy Lucy? No, I haven't. And I I have to try it because I, heard, I, I keep hearing, you know, Minnesota is known for that. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to try it out, but... I just, I haven't yet. Okay. Add it to your bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> um, in your opinion, who is the best running back of all time? Oh, man. That's a loaded question. All time? I think, I, I think I'm safe to say because of the era that I grew up in, I, I might have to lean on Adrian Peterson. Okay. Uh, just a very inspirational back uh, for my time and my era and shaped a lot in my game after him. And, yeah. We'll accept that as an answer. I would have said Barry Sanders. Yeah. I mean, he just those highlight reels are Yeah, he, he is. He is. He, he definitely is up there. But, yeah, AP definitely high on the list. Uh, what is your favorite opposing stadium to play in? Opposing stadium. Hmm. Seattle's pretty fun. Yeah. Seattle's pretty fun. Um, nice, hostile environment. Seattle's – I think Seattle's pretty fun. Um, if I had to go with one, it might be there. Okay. Might be Seattle, yeah. Uh, what is the best item on the Quick Trip Hotspot? That is an interesting question. Everything. Everything. Can't go wrong with that <laughs> answer. So then, if you are stranded on a desert island, then if you could take one Quick Trip item with you, what would it be? In the in the case that I'm I'm stranded, I might have to get just like a pack of some mini donuts or something <laughs> off the shelf and. Uh, and then maybe grab a, a bottle of uh, maybe some milk to go with it, some uh, quick trip uh, milk. Yep, and uh, 
just kick back on the stranded island beach and just uh, pray someone comes against me. Milk and donuts until <laughs> yeah. someone gets there. Well, very, very cool. Well, Alexander Madison, we appreciate your time today. Best of luck with everything going on this season, and uh, we'll be sure to catch all the Vikings games this year. Sounds good. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Quick Cast. Hey, we'll see you next time.